0: In the Shenandoah Valley of Virginia, in the Blue Ridge Mountains, there's a network of dark, cold caves called Luray Caverns. A path leads down into the cave and it takes you past Dream Lake, a big pool with this calm, reflective surface. And all around it, there are a ton of stalactites hanging down from the ceiling and stalagmites reaching up from the ground. It's this jaw-droppingly beautiful space. But wander a little further into the cave, and your jaw might drop a little more. Because there, in the middle of the cave, is an enormous organ. And this isn't your average church organ. Because instead of pipes, every key of this organ is connected to a tiny mallet that hits a different stalactite. This is Atlas Obscura, a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. And today, we visit the great Stalag Pipe Organ, and we meet the son of the man who made it.
1: He would get letters from people all over the world, and then he developed develop an international following. They all
0: sort of thought my dad was a genius. The story of Leland Sprinkle and the Stalag Pipe Organ. After this. If you're looking for a trip full of the extraordinary and unexpected, then you need to get off the beaten path and head to Missouri. The City Museum in St. Louis has got to be one of the coolest places that I have ever been. But it's just one of many wonders found in Missouri. You can play a chess game at the World Chess Hall of Fame, also home to the world's largest chess piece. You can tour a reimagined ghost town brought back to life as outdoor art at Red Oak 2 in Carthage, or go on a crazy underwater adventure at Terre Mine, one of the world's largest man-made caverns and freshwater scuba diving resorts, or throw back craft beers 50 feet underground at O'Malley's Pub in Weston. Missouri is a place full of surprise and delight. Don't miss out on Missouri, because whether it is weird, wondrous, or the world's largest, there is an M.O. for every traveler in Missouri. Find yours at visitmo.com. When was the last time I took a road trip? How many national parks could I hit in two weeks? What about hotels? Wait, hey, Erica, how much am I spending on travel?
1: When your questions about life turn into questions about money, there's Erica, the virtual financial assistant to help you spend, save, and plan smarter. Only from Bank of America. What would you like the power to do? Erica is only available in the English language. You must download the latest version of the mobile banking app, only available on select mobile devices. Your chat may be recorded and monitored for quality assurance. Message and data rates and additional terms may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So my parents came to me and said, well, for your birthday, you get your choice. We can have a birthday party, or we can take a trip to a cave. And I said,
0: the cave. That's Robert Sprinkle. He's about 70 now. But this is a story that takes place when he was just a little boy. In
1: 1954, when we went to the cave, I was five years old. And that's where the magic happened.
0: That cave they visited was Luray Caverns in Virginia, part of the Shenandoah National Parks. But long before it became a national park, millions of years ago, the Luray Caverns were underwater, part of an ancient sea. And slowly, over the years, the water drained, leaving these large, dark caverns behind. As water slowly dripped down from the cave ceilings, minerals would accumulate bit by bit, forming these gigantic stalactites. They hang from above like these gigantic stone icicles, up to 500 feet long. And for little Robert Sprinkle, it was an absolutely magical place. I declared to my mother, I was only five, and I had a little bit
1: of trouble enunciating at that point. This is the best boot day anybody's ever had. Toward the end of the tour, we got to a place where a very large piece of what used to be the ceiling had broken off, and it had a row of fairly small stalactites. The guide we had took this little rubber rod and struck several stalactites and played Mary Had a Little Lamb. In that instant, my father imagined the entire project that would occupy him until his death in 1990. He thought of the whole thing. He thought of what it would need. He knew
0: he could do all parts of it. Robert Sprinkle's father was Leland Sprinkle. And Leland Sprinkle's idea was this, to build a giant organ right there in the Luray Caverns. And to do this using ancient stalactites in the place of the pipes. At the end of the tour, Mr. Sprinkle rushed to the visitor center and asked to speak with the owner. The person selling souvenirs pointed to Mr. Gray's office and Leland Sprinkle marched in, stoic and determined. Here's his son, Robert. He said, look,
1: this is who I am, an electronics engineer at the Pentagon. I work on the UNIVAC computer, and I could turn your cave into a musical instrument.
0: The UNIVAC computer was the first general purpose computer, and the Pentagon was the very first place to have one installed. These machines were very large and very rare. So in other words, this guy, Leland Sprinkle, was next-level smart.
1: And the owner, strangely, said, OK, see what you can do. <laughs> and they shook hands, and there you go. I mean, I, looking back on it, I think, I mean, I, it
0: was really kind of nuts. This kind of agreement could li- literally never happen now. It's pretty hard to imagine the national park system Letting someone come in and just chisel at the ancient stones.
1: In that period, that never came up. You know, defacing rocks or something. It might have been the last era in which that could have been
0: done. In the two-hour drive home, Robert's father was quiet. Whatever excitement his father had for this project, he didn't show it. At least, not outwardly. Here's Robert.
1: No, not giddy. My dad wasn't a giddy kind of guy, rather taciturn. He was lost in thought, as far as I could tell. Purposeful and optimistic, I think, would be fairer.
0: By the time they arrived home, Leland had composed, in his head, a list of all the materials that he would need. And he got straight to work.
1: So he started constructing the electronics upstairs on a table that my son now uses for his computer. Uh, cherry table, actually. It's a very nice table. He often was bent over soldering things, you know, and I soldered some things too, so I helped now and then to the extent I could.
0: There was no textbook for building a giant organ in a cave, a, a giant organ made of a cave. And so Robert's dad had to invent all these parts and processes along the way, especially When it came to the waterproofing.
1: My dad thought, well, maybe we could just coat it with something. So he got a lot of beeswax and a hot plate. And then I would dip the magnetic pickups in the beeswax. And I would do this repeatedly until a sufficient coating had been applied.
0: On weekends, the entire family, Leland Sprinkle, his wife Harriet, and their two small boys, would drive the two hours to Shenandoah Valley. And Leland would work long days in the Luray Caverns. And then afterwards, he'd come home in the evening and take off his muddy boots just outside the apartment door.
1: Since my father realized that what he was doing would sound crazy, he encouraged me and my brother not to discuss it. And we didn't. We didn't tell anybody. And it was kind of strange, because when he would come home, he would put his boots, which were covered with mud, on the front porch, and anybody could walk by and wonder, you know, what is this guy, a grave
0: robber? No, not a grave robber. Just a math and science genius from the Pentagon, building a pipe organ in an ancient cave. Robert's right. It sounds pretty wild when you say it out loud. But it also sounds really beautiful.
1: He approached it as an artist would approach a very big, you know, like the Sistine Ceiling or something, or Mount Rushmore. He wanted it to survive him. He wanted people to understand it and be moved by it.
0: Now here's another thing to know about Leland Sprinkle, the engineer.
1: He was a musician. He was trained as a concert organist, he gave recitals on the radio.
0: Before he had a wife and kids and a job at the Pentagon, Leland Sprinkle spent a semester studying with a world-famous organist at the Peabody Conservatory in Johns Hopkins University. We called the music school and confirmed Leland was there for one semester as a special student. So this pipe organ was a true labor of love for Leland, something kind of only he could have made.
1: This was a way to merge not just his interests, but his abilities. There was no personal ambition in this, but there was an artistic ambition and an engineering ambition.
0: Leland worked his 9-to-5 in the Pentagon and spent his weekends in the Luray Caverns, scavenging around to find just the right stalactites. In the end, only two of the stalactites he picked were naturally in tune. The other 37 he meticulously shaved down to get them to play the exact right pitch. An organ was brought in and set up on a platform, and each key was wired to a tiny rubber mallet, which in turn lightly tapped its chosen stalactite, which then rung out a perfectly tuned note. The entire cave was a musical instrument. After three years of work, the organ was finally ready, for its debut. On June 7th, 1957, a small audience gathered for the inaugural concert inside the cave. Leland Sprinkle came out and took his place. He sat down at his creation and started to play. In the audience was the Washington Post music critic Paul Hume. He drove
1: to Lorraine, and he sat there being dripped upon by stalactites
0: from the ceiling. Mister Hume was known for his harsh reviews, someone who was notoriously tough to please. But he sat through the concert without complaint, and when it was over, he loved it. And not only did he
1: love it, he actually named it. He called it the Great Stalact Pipe Organ. And my dad loved the name, and so that's been the name
0: applied ever since. Leland Sprinkle continued to work on the organ for years. We talked to folks who worked at the caves with Leland Sprinkle, and they said he always showed up in a full suit and tie. He was kind and serious. He would work until late in the night, until 2 a.m., not knowing that the sun had set outside, tinkering, tweaking, improving the organ for the rest of his life. For Leland, this is where his love of music and his love of engineering came together. The music of the natural world with a little dose of mathematical genius.
1: No one else would have done it, and he was intent that it be done well. He thought he had given humanity a a gift to be able to hear music that was millions of years old and had been
0: waiting patiently to be heard. Leland Sprinkle passed away in 1990, but the great stalactite Pipe Organ lives on. And what you're hearing now is a recording of Leland himself playing the stalactite Organ in the Luray Caverns. So... Let's let Leland play us out. I want to give a special thanks to Robert Sprinkle for sharing his father's story with us. And thanks to John Schaefer, Bill Huffman, and Larry Moyer from the Loray Caverns for making time to speak with us. If you visit the Leray Caverns, be sure to stop in the cathedral room where you'll find the great Stalactite organ. Over the years, millions of tourists have passed through these caverns and heard this music. To preserve this special instrument, visitors are not allowed to touch the organ, but no worries, you can still hear the music. There's a button you can press and the organ will spring to life and tap out a melody on the very stalactites that Leland Sprinkle tuned by hand. This podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. This episode was reported by Heidi Shin. Our production team includes... Doug Baldinger. Chris Naka. Camille Stanley. Willis Ryder Arnold.
1: Sarah Wyman. Manolo Morales. Tracy Samuelson.
0: John Delore. Peter Clowney. Our technical director is... Casey Holford. This episode was mixed by Heidi Shin. Our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. and I'm Dylan Thuris wishing you all the wonder in the world. Witness Docs from Stitcher. The world isn't wide enough for those with an insatiable desire for discovery. The all new 2024 Lincoln Nautilus hybrid SUV offers the power and freedom to explore further and deeper than ever before. Intuitive, smart features ensure they are always connected to the road ahead. Inside,